Gardening Radio. I'm Ray Burton and welcome to another Let's Talk Gardening podcast. Our mission is to provide listeners with interesting, informative topics and up-to-date information. My co-host is Faya Caro, an award-winning gardener, horticulturalist and media presenter. Faye's passion is educating people. Oh, and she loves bugs a lot too. My passion is simply beautiful, healthy gardens. And together each week, we cover many great gardening subjects. Saturday morning and here come the girls, Ray and Faye, with Let's Talk Gardening. Greetings gardening friends and today's program is sponsored by Safety Bay Settlements, settling and transferring properties across WA since 1977. We're all here, the team is here, we've got Bev, we've got John, you've certainly got Ray and Faye, you can call us, you can email us, thanking the dynamic duo each fortnight, Chris Bartlett and Mark Carlton and of course Jim Crinan and Jim Crinan will return at 10am for the classic 70s as well. So looking forward to that, Fayakara. Good morning. How are you, young lady? I'm very good. How are you, Ray? I'm good. I'm good. Excellent. I'm How good. was great your... Great to be here. Your break this week? Well, it was great. I took uh, a week off work, and uh, but I still... Sales being what it is, because, you know, a lot of people wouldn't realise that I, you know, work in sales selling the sponsorships here. And I still work as I need to, because sales doesn't stop. However, we're quite full at the moment. Our What we refer to as our logs on the station, we're quite full. So we can't really squeeze too many more uh, sponsors on the station right now. So it's a good problem to have, right? That's what, that's what I'm told. Uh, but I had a lovely few days. It just has a bit of a pressure valve release. Does that make sense? And just a sense of... Feeling a bit freer. <laughs> and where did you go? I only went into the city. Not um, only. Perth's a wonderful place to visit. Went into the CBD and spent a couple of nights in there and had a good explore. Could have gone further afield, chose not to, and really, really enjoyed it. And I was I was quite pleasantly surprised about the nightlife in the city. You know, the pubs and the bars and the restaurants are heaving. You know, wow. it's just amazing. So it's, uh, you know, it's it's disappointing naturally. And, and we're all aware that there, a lot of businesses have closed down or moved out of the city. And there's a heck of a lot of that. And, you know, there's some, there's some uh, minuses in the city. But I think things are moving in the right d- direction insofar as there's a lot of development going on. I mean, at night time, uh, the, the city turns into a building zone uh, and then it's all put away by morning again. So there's a lot going on in there. So, so that sounds promising. like uh, there's a De- bit of a yeah. mix of you can wear sequins or hard hats. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So absolutely enjoyed it and had and spent time down at Elizabeth Key. And of course, we were blessed with this perfect weather oh, and that gosh. just made everything heaven. You know, I just uh, felt very relaxed and, and I'm still feeling very relaxed. So forgive me. Don't, don't <laughs> be too relaxed. halfway through the show. <laughs> and uh, we've got some interesting guests lined up today. We're speaking with Ellen Walker. We had Ellen on the show a few weeks ago and we're talking about the best pH for veggie growing, which was um, coming from a question that we had last week uh, from one of our listeners, and what is best for the microbes and fungi. And we're also talking to Paul Michener. Now, Paul's the other half of Linda Michener from the Green Life Soil Co. And we're also chatting about growing veggies in an existing vegetable garden. What is better to add? Is it mushroom compost or any other 
compost, which is the best one to go for, and what it's actually made up of, because he does create those 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 products, those soils, doesn't well, he? Well, um, Tanya's call was an interesting one because she said, I listen to your show every week and you've talked about fertilisers and you've talked about fungi and you've talked about microbes mm. and I would like to know what is the best pH for growing vegetables? Yes. Which is a, a very question. Uh, deep rabbit hole. Yes. So depending <laughs> on who you ask, you know, right. a lot of people never test their pH. So we'll go a bit deeper this morning and we'll talk to the experts in their field about what's going on underground. Exactly. All right. Well, we're heading to Girraween because we're talking about a tangelo tree. Chris, how are you? Good, thank you. Great. Yes, we've just sprayed it with lime sulfate and I've got hundreds of um, tangelos on it and I want to make marmalade. How long after you spray it, can I use them or can I use them? I shouldn't use them. Well, you should be able to have a look and follow the instructions on... It doesn't tell you that. Really? Yeah, okay. I looked on the back right. and it does not tell you the period of time you have to wait. Right. Okay, John. John will be out there listening. He's our researcher. He will do a search and find out what is the withholding period of mm. lime sulphur. Mm. Right. It's interesting. It's a, a lot of these products will actually give you yeah, all the information exactly. that you need on the packet. Yeah, you can peel it back. I had to peel it back to see how much to use per litre, but it didn't tell you the time that you could make, you know, you eat it or use it for anything. It didn't tell you that. Did you read all the fine print, Chris? The fine more. Oh, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I did not. Oh, I well, the. A lot of these instructions just go on and on and on and there's a lot of reading and you'll find it buried in small print somewhere. And you need a good set of glasses, let me <laughs> you, tell you. You often yeah. do. Yes. But it's the ordinary Yates one, you know, the yellow one, so you can see. I don't know. I, I can't tell you if I read the fine print, but it didn't tell you anything about edible, when you can eat it or when you can use it. or. John has anyway, just come. I didn't come... know if it was dangerous to make because you're using the peel. Well, John has just come in and informed us that you can uh, use them straight away, just wash them well. Is that right? Oh, well, yes. I'll leave them in the rain. Oh, good I idea. Yeah. And then wash them thoroughly. And then wash them. Okay. Okay, <laughs> okay thank you, girls. You're Thanks, welcome, Chris. Okay, Cheers. bye. Bye. Certainly looking forward to this rain. We didn't get the rain that was promised last time you we, know, around, did we? We've had very mild rain. It's just mm. enough to, to put a glisten on the mm. leaves and mm. barely wet the ground. Exactly. Nothing so, soaking. Yeah, so I believe it when I see it, unfortunately. But uh, Oh, the, the weather this week. I managed to get out mm. there yesterday, Ray, and I was tidying up an area off the the patio, which is a freestanding patio. Mm. And I went through my shade houses. And, you know, my New Year's resolution was not to shuffle, mm. which is what I I seem to just move, move a lot of around. things around. But I, I wasn't shuffling. I was relocating plants to the places that they like. Because in wintertime, yeah. well, in the shade house, smart. well, it's great protection for the plants in summer, but in winter it's a bit cold and damp. And... A lot of these plants are looking fantastic. So I had two shade houses full. So I started pulling out all my favourite plants and I bought up the potting mix and I've been potting. And yesterday I just had this thought in my head that I would like to dress that area up with the theme florist shop. So 
Oh, I put is a, that where your term came yes. from? Yes. Because you, you sent me a message about the florist shop and I said, is this a trick question? <laughs> yes, I was wondering what you're... What you were so I moved angling a, at a plant stand from the back patio out where it gets more light. I put some pretties on there. I started pulling out all my ceramic pots. I wanted some white pots, and I found I at least half pots. a dozen. It, well, I want about a hundred. Where on earth are you going to get a hundred? And how big? Well, I'll just start collecting. Everybody's yeah. got pots, haven't I they? I know. You know, I, some I'm people are just white. over mm. different things. You know, yeah. like I've got a stash of some pots that I don't like. So I'll just yeah, pass them on to someone else. So someone might what, have... What sizes are you after? Every size. Every I've size. I've got palms and cycads. I've got aroids like you wouldn't believe. Mm. And they're beautiful foliage plants. I bought a tractor seat plant this week. I saw that. I went shopping at Nancy's and yeah. I bought some natives, kangaroo paw and a yeah. um, few different things and some more potting mix. So I just want to freshen up everything. I just, it happens this time every year. It's time to refresh everything. Yeah. And, and speaking of refresh, we went to a gorgeous garden last Sunday uh, down in Waruna, uh, the Cypress Farm, uh, Kingsley Dixon's property. And it was a lovely few hours spent, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. it was magical. The, the, the autumn the colours setting. were amazing. Mm. Uh, he had a beautiful salvia there that he said was mulberry jam. And I thought that's what what this is that I have. Yeah, but yeah. it turns out it's salvia purpurea. And oh, what... What a size of a bloom, Ray. It's and the plant stunning. itself and it, it, is a couple it, of metres tall. Yeah, it is. And a beautiful magenta colour. And this leaf here that you brought in, what is that? It's well, very... this this is a syngonium. And I got a message from John. Well, both a syngonium. Yes. Okay. So One I recognise, the other I don't. Right. Well, this one they sell as white butterfly, I think. Uh, and it's a beautiful foliage plant. Great for indoors, but it also trails. Now, if you were to plant it out in the garden at the base of a palm tree or similar tree, if it's happy, it will climb. And when it climbs, it's likely to revert. And this is the mature leaf. So it's Woo! a plain green. That's and amazing. in very mature plants like Coast Road palms, it will actually flower. And in John's garden. So he was wondering, what is this red flowering plant that I just... I just love. And some years ago, John was um, pulling things out of his garden and he gave me all these large pieces, mm. which I put in a pot. Now, what's really funny, Ray, I got this large cutting from Carmel. This is the, the mature form and it's plain green. And then I went to the pot with the white butterfly in it to take a cutting and that cutting was grown from a mature piece that came from John's a few years ago. Hmm. So what I'm saying is it started off as a white butterfly. And turned into. And it reverts to this plain green, goes up a tree, and if it's happy, it will have an amazing red flower. Wow. So the information came back from Daniel Varachetti this morning. And with some other news, yeah. they have had another baby girl Amy, and she's now four weeks old. So congratulations, guys. Well done. Yes, because yes. I know that was the reason he wasn't able to attend the garden festival this year. Yes. He had a lot of things happening on the home front. So he, he replied, um, as, as for the syngonium, it's reverted white butterfly that takes that form once it starts climbing. 
So I'd say it's the Syngonium podophyllum. Okay. And you don't see the mature form well, very you don't, often. Because that's what I said to you. What is that leaf? Mm. And I do like the pink form of the Syngonium. Oh, oh Ray, there's so many. There's, yeah. And it's an aroid. Yeah. Love the yeah. aroids. Yeah, yeah. So, no, lovely plant and well worth exploring. Mm. And ha it's always just so interesting uh, to find out, like today, what you're saying can happen, will happen, mm. if he's happy and he starts to start climbing. That wouldn't happen in the house, though, because these are, make a nice in, in, indoor. Oh, yes, and this, this is a clumpy plant, mm. but it will trail. So yeah. what I tend to do is trim it right yeah. off, stick it in water, grow roots and repot it. Yeah. And, you know, you could put three or four in a pot together to make that nice clump Body it display. Up. Yeah. And yeah. if it doesn't get too much light, the nodes will be quite together quite close together so you get a nice compact plant if it's reaching for the light they'll be extended and yes you you can buy little totem poles so you can climb it up oh they're just gorgeous i mean the the problem that i have is in our house we don't get a lot of light so i do struggle a bit with growing a lot of house plants in, indoors yeah. indoors and i don't have a lot of surface space this yeah, is why i, I was I just it. drawn to uh, putting up the patio and a lot of these plants if you look at the the indoor plant um, displays at the moment they look stunning with the white pots yes oh very yes. fresh white is 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 king yeah so it's funny i was only having that conversation myself recently with someone and i'd made up my mind a long time ago when i'm one day when i'm rich i would go out and buy just white pots everything will be in white pots yeah well i wonder i wonder if anyone knows where you can buy cheap <laughs> Cheap and light, because I don't want heavy well, pots. I, can you believe I bought, I've got some in my uh, that I use at the moment, and they came from, could have been Kmart or Target or one of those, and they're light and they're white and they're about $15 each, but they're big, you know. Mm. And I've got a few of those around, and they make really handy spares also when you're just yeah doing what you're just talking about when you're just looking for that pot to plant into and uh yeah and they look great i did buy quite a big one this week and i i, saw I sent that. you that's a photo a, it nice. had a tractor seat plant yeah. uh, a red cord line and i thought about planting it up and then i thought i don't really want to um make the the potting permanent so i thought well, maybe i'll just sit some pots in and top up the soil and that way I can change them over at my leisure. Yeah, yeah, and that's another good good way to do it. Because <laughs> I haven't got enough to do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'm just reading this. Hey, tell Faye not to pass on the pot she doesn't want. Tell her to buy a few cans of white paint. Just a suggestion from Jeannie Napier. And that is a great suggestion. Thank you, Jeannie. And we've also got feedback from Jeannie. We have. And she has said thank you to Bigger Trees and Curtain Radio Gardening Show for the gift voucher that she won. She chose an ornamental maple and she's very happy. And she sent us a photo of her and Kerry, Kerry. up at the nursery this week. So that that's great, We Jamie. love that. We love that feedback. And on another note about painting, Peter, um, who lives at John's Garden, he was telling me if, if anyone went to John's Garden you might have seen some pots that looked rusty, designer rusty. Yeah, I like that Now, look. there's a two-pack paint that you can get can. to give that look. look. So that look. I've got that earmarked and I've actually got 
the base of an old sand filter that we had. It was our original pool filter. And my dad got an angle grinder and cut it in half. So I have the base, which looks like a low, wide pedestal. And the top looks like half a barrel. So I've got bamboo in one. And the other I painted pink with bedroom paint, but now I'm thinking I'll go the rust look and I'll fill it with flapjacks, which have got that little hint of rust Mm. in their leaves. Okay. Very creative. You've lost me on on what it actually is. All right. But I I need a photo. I'll do a before and after photo. Okay. Now, um, Trevor of Marangaroo wants to know if Kaikuri grass, grass, sorry, pardon me, Breaks down in compost. Oh, no, no, no. Mugger it would thrive. If you put mm. kaikuyu cuttings into compost, they will they will go right through. They'll go from the bottom right to the top. Okay. They will thrive. Okay, great answer. 94841927. Kitchen Radio in Perth. 23 minutes after 8, you are listening to Let's Talk Gardening with Ray and Faye, and it's our last week coming up of autumn, which is tragic, in my opinion. I want autumn but to you love over. winter. I do love winter, but I love <laughs> autumn more in from the from the ascetic. Mm. Does that make sense? Well, it's been warm, hasn't it? It's been very warm. Now, I don't know about you, Ray, but I have seen rose beds across Perth Bouncing flushing. Back. Yes. Yes. Just looking fantastic. Yes, mine, I have too. mine have taken a turn. Yes. They just the blooms have gotten bigger. Yes. Uh, the salvias in the bed have bounced back. They're My punching little, back, aren't they? They sure are. The white alisum is starting to grow now. I put in some um, little seedlings and I put in some basil, different basils in the bed. Perennial basil, Thai basil, which has got a purple leaf, so yeah, a little like bit of different colour, mm. and they're in flower. And what else have I got in there? Of course, the salvias. Mm. So chili thrip are there, but they're taking a hammering. They don't like the rain and this they is... don't like the cold. Yes, so, so bring bring it all on. And I did notice on one of these cuttings that I brought in, there was a lacewing egg. There is, there is. Now, yeah, but, even I can see that with my eyes. <laughs> for anyone yeah. who doesn't know, they're tiny little white eggs laid on thin strands, thinner than your hair. Yes. And they're just uh, probably... Mm, About one centimetre. Probably half a centimetre. Raised yes. off, off the leaf. And sometimes you'll see a line of them. Yeah, yeah. And they're just... Yeah, these are the... The beneficial insects this is that what will we reside want. in your garden that mm. will attack the pests out there. Yeah, fabulous. Okay, let's head to Falcon, chatting with Helen. Good morning. Oh, good morning, morning, Helen. Hi. Hello. Hi. Yeah, hi. <laughs> Look, I'm growing grevilleas in pots because it's impossible where I live in the soil. Um, they're planted into uh, native potting mix and I've given them the native slow-release. Now, um, they they look pretty good, but they're starting to yellow on the leaves. And I wonder, is it safe to give them chelated iron? Mm. Uh, I, my go-to, Helen, would probably be a, a complete feed for them and maybe even a liquid. You possibly could, but if you've planted them into to native potting mix, the... 
the pH of the soil should be okay. So they shouldn't be suffering from an iron deficiency. Oh. Now, that, that makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, now, controlled release fertiliser is a great idea, but sometimes the liquids will give you a quicker response. If they're yellowing, have they dried out at all? No. Okay. No. But, um, look, uh, I did buy some liquid uh, fertiliser for natives, but it's got the, uh, is it phosphorus, or something that gravillias shouldn't have? Mm. I think you'll find that grevilleas, although they may not like it, um, they're probably not as sensitive as something like banksias. So if it's a formulation for native plants, it should be okay. That's what it says, for Mm. natives. (laughs) And have you used that? No, I haven't yet. I've not been game enough to. (laughs) All right. Um, Can you tell us what brand it is? Oh, Oh, no, I can't. Okay, so it's it's a liquid. Yes, yes. All yes. right, we'll get, we'll get John to look this up. That would be the best answer. Um, we'll find out what liquids are available for mm-hmm. native plants and just, just confirm. It's absolutely a good idea to check. I think it will be okay if it says it's okay for natives. Mm. Yeah. But, hey, uh, you know... <laughs> Things yeah, happen, so, so sensitive. Mm, yeah. That's right. I think mm. grevilleas are a, a bit more forgiving than some of the other plants, though. Right. Okay. All right. Oh, thanks very much. All right. Thanks for your question, Helen. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, Faye. Right. Bye. Bye. Bye for now. Now let's head across to Woodbridge. Dave would like to talk about olive tree bonsai. Interesting. Hi, Dave. <laughs> morning, oh, Dave. Hi. hi. <laughs> Good morning, ladies. Uh, yes, I grow bonsai trees and I have them in a purpose-built shade house. Uh, but just over the last few months, my olives, uh, are, the leaves are covered in like a white flower. Uh, and I've tried everything to get rid of it. The final thing is taking them out into direct sunlight. But as they grow, the green shoots and the green leaves come out and then they're overtaken by this white flower. You can wipe it off. It looks it's, the strangest thing. I don't know what it is. I wonder if um, two things I can think of. Well, powdery mildew, but I don't think that would wipe off so easily. But no, Woodridge, I, I think you have scale or lime in the water. Yes, we do. I wonder if it's that. Or I wonder if you could send us a photo. Oh, I'll certainly send you a photo. Mm. Yeah, I've, I've tried white oil. I've tried a strange kind of milk mix that I was told to try. Pardon? Oh, which was actually on your program, the milk mix. Right, okay. Uh, but it is a mildew. I think it's a mildew of some kind, but I, I just can't pin it down. I've tried everything. Right, okay. No problem. I, I probably can't specifically pin it down either. Mm-hmm. Your best bet would be to take a photo uh, and send it to Deeper. They have a My Pest Guide reporter app. Okay. Um, do you have access to apps on your phone? Yes, I do. Okay. Yeah, and computer. Yeah. Right. So, well, yes, computer or phone. It's called yeah. the My Pest Guide Reporter app. My Pest, okay. Thank and you. you could send photos along to them. They may be able to narrow it down for you. Failing that, 
taking them a sample that they can analyse and get back to you. That's a good idea yeah. as well. Yes, I could do that. Only I think it's starting to spread. I've noticed a little bit on a couple of other trees. Okay. Uh, and, I, and as I say, I'm, I'm, not, I'm get, starting to get concerned. <laughs> so uh, if, if that is the case, do you have good airflow in the shade house? Absolutely. Yes, there's uh, three entrances to it and the walls are made of uh, wire and uh, like bamboo. So the whole thing is, is aerated. No trouble at all. And is it a humid environment? Humid as in they're watered when they need to be once a day. Uh, but apart from that, no, it's just in a garden, in a shade house. Mm, okay. It's built for it. Right, okay. I know some people will have fans to move air around. Mm. Um, it's It's probably a bit of a balance between creating humidity or the correct environment. For olive trees, though, once a day... Because they're very hardy, they, lot, they it might be more than what they need. Yes, that's true. Yeah, mm. that's why we're yeah. now just trying them outside in direct sunshine and not giving them uh, the amount of water that they would normally get. So, right. But these are these are a few years old. These trees, and uh, and this has just suddenly happened over the last four or five months. Well, I th- I think you'll find we've had quite a warm autumn. Yes, and that could be a contributing factor. Uh, every year is a bit different, but it's been quite warm. Uh, but th- that is your best bet. And please let okay. us know yeah. what you do find out. I will do. I'll send some off to my test, and I'll also send you a photograph so you can have that. Yeah, that would be great, Dave. Fantastic, okay, thank thanks, you Dave. Very much. My wife and I really enjoy your program. Oh, thank and, you. Uh, well, now I'll put our radio back on so we can carry on listening. <laughs> well, I know of some people that have got like four radios in the house so they can move through doing their jobs in the morning without missing anything. Yes, yeah, well, I do have one on my belt and, I, and my oh. wife has one. She moves around the house, so it's there good. you go. Yeah, no. Oh, no. well done. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, ladies. All right. Cheers, Dave. Bye. Bye for that. Bye-bye. That's always lovely to hear. Getting back to your white pot search, Trish mm. of Maddington phoned in and she said the reject oh. shop has lots of white Whoa. pots as well. Well, so it's and better if, hunting around. If we get a bit of rain this week, mm. it'll be a good good time to go shopping, won't it? <laughs> it will be. It will be. So are you looking, you're looking for light pots, aren't you? Not heavy ceramic. I, yeah, I don't want things that, you, can't. you know, just You'll, clutter. Yeah. I, mean, I have got a pot stash like you wouldn't believe. Oh, I believe but it. But when I'm trying to display things, I, I look at how I group them so they can look better. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, like I've got to revisit that vertical wall that I did with the brums and things. And yeah. the plant stand that I did up yesterday has got predominantly a plum-coloured theme. So there's a bit of bit of the purplish foliage, purple pinks and oh, beautiful. Oh, it'll mm. be lovely. And when I've got it all dressed up, I've got a little table and one chair there. Uh, but I usually end up filling those up with plants. But there's a lovely butterfly cushion and and then a lady who I know after I put out my pot search on Facebook offered me some pots that say flowers and something else and they're silver like you would see at a florist shop, and there's four of them, right? Really? So it's like, wow, I can fill up these with foliage, and it really will look like a florist shop. It will. <laughs> <laughs> You're very imaginative oh. and creative as well. I'll try. I just need more time. 
another Don't day in the week. Yeah, exactly. Don't we all? Mm. An interesting phenomenon, nothing to do with gardening, just thinking out aloud. When we drive in, I notice that we park our cars nose in, the girls. And every other car driven by a male was reversed <laughs> in this morning. And I got out of my car and I thought, this is some sort of phenomenon, don't you think? Oh. The boys reverse in and we go in nose first. Well, and I just are we just on a mission like when we come in? We're See, busy. I, we don't I got have time to, to reverse. Yeah, I I got to the get roundabout out. and get I noticed and the aloes going. and I thought, gosh, they look stunning. We need to talk about aloes soon. Yes. Hasn't everyone got an aloe? We do. I hello, do. hello. Mm, we do, we do. <laughs> I, um, I just repotted one, actually. And, uh, yeah, they do really well You inside. got a special one, didn't you? Did I? Up at Darren's, Bromeliads. Didn't you get something... Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm like you. I lose. I lose track. I need to have a wander in your garden and catalogue what you've got. Yeah, probably you do. Someone needs to do something. <laughs> yeah, it's getting out of control. So no, I've been trying to cull a little bit. You know, with the design of my garden and all of that that went on last year, I've, I've, you know, I'm still playing a little bit and still haven't made up my mind. I still want to see how things develop and grow mm. and whether something needs to be added to. I bet they've there. grown very well Things in the last are few weeks. Things are growing. Yep, yeah. I'm a little bit worried about my younger roses that that did get attacked by chili thrip. They're not bouncing back the same as the more mature roses. Mm. They're still struggling. I'm not I'm just sort of watching them. I'm not doing a great deal to them. They're getting some seaweed actually. At Seaweed's the a great product. Yeah. Seaweed and, and fish fertilizers yeah. are very mild. You can use yeah. them on anything and everything. Very yeah, safe. So they're getting a little bit of love, but yeah, they've taken a hit. They've taken a mm. hit and they're just not responding. They're very young when they went into the ground. They'd hardly established and then chili thrips come along mm. and uh, and whack them. So yeah, but the mature roses do seem to have bounced back. Now, do we have any emails that we need to We get? do. We okay. do indeed. We had an email come in from Karen last week. Uh in the afternoon after our show, she's been given some Jacob's Coat cuttings. Now, there's ah, a bit yes. of a challenge for you. <laughs> it was for me because I thought... The alternatives? A califer. A califer. A califer wilksiana. And its other common names are Match Me If You Can, Red Leaf, Fijian Fire Plant. A califers are stunning old-fashioned shrubs that you'll see around the suburbs Grown as hedges, they're yep. wonderful in tropical gardens. You can get green and gold. You can get a burgundy leaf, like red, like it's it looks like fire. Not amaranthus. I'm trying no, to know that's different again. Different a califer. Okay. A califer. Okay. So, I will Google that. Sort of that. similar shaped leaf to the begonia that I have yeah. here. Hmm. Very pretty, right? Oh, they are. They are. And we talked about them a couple of weeks ago. I tried growing them when we got to Jancot and lost them because of the frost. Mm. But now that I've got more of a canopy and more of an understanding of their requirements, certainly I could have another go. Actually, Ray, I just remembered about something else, but I'll finish off with this first. Okay. So prior to planting, I placed them in water and amazed how quickly the cuttings formed fine branching roots. Would there be a root problem planting these in a row, approximately three feet wide in a strip between a wall and a path? I think that'd be perfect because you can cut them back and they would certainly, three feet would be great. They mm. make a lovely hedge. 
Uh, on the other side, there are 25-foot-tall pencil pines. So that could be a problem in that when you're digging the hole, maintaining their root zone, you might yeah. consider putting in a barrier yeah. to protect your plants. Uh, the pine needle, uh, the needles may may affect somewhat, but if you were to prepare the soil well, plant them, put in a root barrier, and then put a mulch on top, I think you would get away with establishing them okay. And then as time goes on, the needles that drop would possibly uh, just fall off the foliage like an umbrella. So I think okay. you could. Okay, so you think you that they manage. would survive quite well? Yeah, they're well. pretty hardy. Yep. Okay. Think so. So oh, like I that. love Jacob's them. coat. Mm. Yes. And another one. Eve from Mosman Park has sent in photos of leaves that have got cocoons in them, and these look to me like caterpillars that have been taken over by a parasitic wasp. They could hatch out as moths, but I have seen similar that actually hatched out as parasitic wasps. So, Eve, I would just hang on to them, put them in a jar, and then see and what then see comes what... out. Yeah. Okay. And then let us know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're heading to Ravenswood. Gary, good morning. Good morning, ladies. How are you? Great, Great Gary. Thank you. How good, are you? Um, good. I'm not sure if you can help me. It's not really about plants. It's about an animal. Yes. But he climbs up my plants and gets into my roof. So I'm pruning the plants away mm. from the from the veranda so he can't climb up. So uh, it, it's a Fasca gull. I don't know if you've ever heard of Fasca gull. I, I haven't. I've seen one. I've frightened one out from under a log. I, well, I, <laughs> I see him quite regularly. He comes home about 12 minutes past six every morning, climbs up the post, back into the roof. I can't stopping getting into the roof because it's the corrugated iron. You just well that's actually probably a sheep because I'm um the male apparently the male dies not long after the breeding Oh, Yes. And it's and it's coming up to breeding time well, breeding time now. But my, my, my query was if I stop it getting into the roof, which I'm gonna hopefully do tomorrow morning, and I don't want to kill it. I've, no. I've caught it twice, but it escaped twice. Right. And so if I if I stop him getting into my roof, well, do you think you'll find another home somewhere or will I kill it? By, do you, any ideas? I, I don't know. And for everyone else out there, I would really love to know. So we will get John right. to look up Fasca Gales right. and yeah. their... All, all that I remember from the one I saw was that they were very quick. They're small marsupials. They've got a little fancy feathery tail. Yes. I'm just looking yeah. on my phone. Yeah. It's a native yeah. marsupial, yeah. and they they need to be protected. Yes, uh, yes. So, and and unfortunately, I've I've killed two babies last year because I thought I had mice or rats on my roof. Oh, I put a mouse trap up there, <gasps> and I caught. And the first one I caught, I said, this is, because it's only a baby, I thought, this is different. Oh, I gosh. It, I it was a and so I, I caught the Fascagal twice in a trap I bought, like a, and it chewed its way out of the trap before. I got up in the ceiling at three in the morning and got it out of the roof, and by the time I went to going to work, he'd chewed his way through the wire mesh and got away. Oh, gosh. Oh, they're, they're just amazing. And the smallest hole, you wouldn't believe it. I just So I caught him a second time, but of course now he, or she is, probably aware of the trap and won't go there so I'm trying to 
but I want it out of the house because it's it's choose from electrical cables once I've had to put a new cable in and okay. noisy and do you have any wildlife carers in your area that you know of, Gary? Well, I know there's a lady that does kangaroos, I suppose, but I don't know if she... All it's right. Just an odd, it's just an odd one, and unfortunately they, they're developing around where I am and they've cleared some bush, and I'm guessing that's what's drove, driven them up this way and into my roof. Yeah. But well, it's been I, for a couple of years now. They're uh, uh, carnivorous as well. Well, I think yeah. I think you're very blessed, and I'm. I don't doubt that you have identified it correctly because it sounds like you know what you're talking about, I've, and you've I've had a, a good opportunity. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've I've actually got a photo of it that I that I went last time I caught it, and <gasps> well, the only time I caught it, and yeah, it was just and 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 the other morning, well, a couple of weeks ago. As it climbed up the post, I went to chase it off and it stopped half at the post and just stuck its head around the corner and, oh. and it sat there for a good couple of minutes going from side to side. And I oh. I, I was going to grab it. I thought it might have a bite or scratching so much, but I was going to put my hand around and grab it, but I thought it might latch onto me. Well, <laughs> I'm I'm different to most, but I would, I would probably let it nest in my roof and I'd put a camera up there. But anyway, um, that's fantastic. Can you send us the photo? Well, I'll see if I can find it. It's in my old phone, and then it's, I don't really know how to, because the old phone's disconnected, and oh. it's whether I can transfer it across. But if I can, I will. That would be wonderful. And and I would share it with all our listeners. Yeah, I know. He's, 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 they're a lovely-looking animal when you, when you catch them. But yeah. As like I say, I'd be happy. If, I wouldn't bother me too much in the roof, but it does chew through, chew through my yeah, lips. Yeah, he's doing some damage. And mm-hmm. I okay. lost all my lights one night. and. <gasps> Okay. Yeah, okay. All right. Um, all right. We'll we'll come back to this during the show. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I thought some listeners might know a bit more about them than me. I, yeah. I, I just don't want to kill it by no, for sure. Time. All right. We'll come Thanks, back Gary. to it. Thanks, Gary. Thanks a lot, ladies. Have a good day. Okay. Bye. Now we do have to take a break. When we return, we'll be chatting with Ellen Walker. Curtain Radio. You are with Ray and Faye. This is Let's Talk Gardening. Straight to the lines. We are speaking with Ellen Walker from Earth While Australia. Good morning, young lady. Good morning, Faye and Ray. How are you? Very, Very good, well. thank you. Looking forward to hearing from you today, Ellen. Thank you. <laughs> I'm, been, I'm just hearing the, about the chap with the little marsupial in his roof. How yep. interesting. Yeah, oh, what are your thoughts amazing? on that, Ellen? Oh, I don't know. I was there, and I must admit, I was a bit in in Faye's camp of um, probably be wanting to to see what it does with the camera, <laughs> and then complaining about the mess it made. But yes, mm-hmm. yes, they're, they're good. Mm. So, what should we talk about this morning? Well, I've got a question to put to you from Tanya, and mm-hmm. she asked uh, after hearing us talk about fertilizers and fungi and microbes and compost. What is the best pH to have in your vegetable garden to grow vegetables? And I thought, aha, this is one for Alan. <laughs> oh, well, I'm sure there's lots of people who could could answer it, but I'm really happy to share my, my perspective on it. And so, Tanya, really the, the um, what you're probably aiming for is a fairly neutral pH, so some anywhere between probably about a, a, a 6 and, um, and a 7, because that's a that's sort of like a fairly neutral neutral level, but the good news is that plants actually create their own pH. So they, as they put out, if you've been listening to our other other talks, 
you'll know that plants put out these exudates to feed the microbes in the soil and those exudates can change the pH just right around the very close parts of the roots to um, allow the plant to take up what it needs because I'm assuming that you're wanting uh, to know the pH as far as how the plant can best take up the nutrients and have the biology around in the soil that, that, that will enjoy that sort of uh, environment. Is this um, is that what Tanya had in mind, do you think, Faye? Well, I, I think so. She, she just asked for the pH, but as oh, you yeah. just explained... Yeah, um, fascinating. What just it, got me when I spoke to you the other day was plants mm. can change the pH to get what they want, to like, hello. <laughs> yeah. so, yeah. Much more clever than us, aren't they? <laughs> mm. Plants are so clever and they're in control. And so it's going to depend on what nutrients they need because different nutrients are available at different pHs. So most nutrients are available in that neutral sort of range but people can explore by looking up things um, like nutrient availability and pH on Google or in the sort of a Mulder's chart an M-U-L-D-E-R-S chart because that will tell you a a bit more but the plant as I say it, it actually creates that pH and it can change the pH in the soil by two points over a period of 24 hours. So just imagine... That's huge. Isn't it? Because that's like taking it from a six to a four, for instance, mm. or a you know five to a seven. So now the, there is a catch, and the catch is that the plant can do this, but if it has to do one of those big jumps, like a, a two-pointer jump, mm. then obviously it's going to have to use more energy mm. and so just like us, it's easier for us to dig through a loamy soil than it is to dig through a clay soil. We can do it, but it takes a bit longer and it takes more energy. And if the plant has to use the energy to adjust the pH to a large degree, then it's not going to be putting on as much growth and development above ground. So, Ellen, do you often test pH? Uh, we don't. Uh, we we test pH because people want to know about it. But mm. uh, otherwise, no, we don't test pH a lot. Although you can get an indication because we're looking much more at the biology side of it. You can get an indication of the pH by the biology. So very alkaline soils will have uh, a very high levels. Tend to have very high levels of bacteria in them, and also be very compacted. Right. Okay. And how how do you, well, what do you feed your soils? Well, so the, I, I like a sort of a, a bit of a, a mix of things. So definitely uh, nutrients in the form of rock dust and yes. so on. Yeah. But those can also be applied through your compost. So you can put your, when you're making your compost, you can add just little bits of fertiliser. Uh, Ellen learnt from um, from experience that if you think, ah, oh, a quarter of a cup isn't too much, I'll put in a half a cup of my some, some, uh, <laughs> some salt-based fertiliser that's in the shed to put it through the compost, it'll be fine. Well, I've lost most of my fungi in the process. That's the sort so, of thing um, I do, Ellen, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we learn, don't we? Yeah. Mm. <laughs> uh, but yes, so basically it's just that, that keeping the soil aerated so you know, like plenty of fluffy sort of soil 
So aerated in the sense that it's got good soil structure, not aerated in the sense that we want to be turning it over with a garden fork every other day. Mm. And you uh, you can feel it, can't you, if you've added a lot of, um, or if you've got worm activity there and yes. you, you go to dig, the soil's fluffy and light. And, yes. Oh, yes. It smells it's good. Mm. Yes, that, all of those things. And so when it's like that, then, of course, you've got all these little pockets of pH that are going to be um, different pHs. And if you want to go down a rabbit hole, people could also look up EH. So pH is a measure of the uh, hydrogen protons in the soil and EH is a measure of the hydrogen electrons in the soil. And these two have a, some sort of a bit of an interplay. So the um, EH aspect of the soil, which is measured in millivolts, that affects the can affect the, the uptake of nutrients, but we see that a lot where oxidation is happening. So you know, like if you put your compost on the soil and you're leaving it open to the air, yeah. so you haven't covered it with a mulch, then it burns up, it oxidizes, yes. and you're putting off carbon dioxide into the air. So that can uh, that can happen. So, but coming back to Tanya's question. I think it's um, that that sort of neutral part of the pH level is perhaps what we would like to aim for. I do. Oh, great, do that? great, great answer. And I think you've also told us that the pH of the soil doesn't matter as much because the plants mm. have got the ability to make it what they want. Exactly. <laughs> Fascinating. Get that um, good quality stuff with the compost, the worms. When you've got those sort of things, it's great. Perhaps a little bit of garden lime, but very little lime can have. Uh, it, it can actually cause some other problems. Perhaps put some lime through your compost. Make your own compost, and you have your worm farm. That's going to be fantastic, and I'm sure Tanya will do great. Great message. Thank you very much, Alan. No worries. Have a good weekend, everybody. You too. You too. Bye bye. Thank you. Bye. Words of wisdom. Okay, we'll be back in a moment. Curtain Radio. Uh, we're back again. Lorraine of Mandra phoned in and we're going back to when we were talking about the little fellow. What's his name again? Vascagale. Vascagale. I had not heard of them. She uses Vaseline on the climbing points to deter uh, rodents in her roof and it works with a lot of success. Mm. I think mm. in the case of a native marsupial, mm. if it could be trapped and relocated that would be the best outcome for its own protection Quite that right. would be good obviously uh any critters that nest in your roof and eat electrical cables are not a good idea mm. so the other thing is um like sealing off all the points of access into a roof but when they are so small it's mm. it's a little difficult so barry had suggested a nesting, box. a nesting box for Gary to catch the Fascagale. Mm. But it would it would have to be contained, I think. Like if it nested there, then to be able to trap it, I, I'm not sure how that would work. And I'm sure that there are products available through wildlife carers and places like that Definitely. that have got custom yeah. designs. Yeah, for sure. And Helen did ring back from Falcon and she is saying that she read uh, the information on the power feed bottle and, yes, it can be used for native plants. Mm. Yes, the, and I just 
looked, and the grevillea is a member of the Proteaceae family. A lot of our native plants are phosphorus sensitive, yeah. and, and that is the risk. If there is a product that says you can use it on native plants, still be, be mindful and okay. don't be heavy-handed. Only follow the instructions on the bottle. Mm-hmm. Very important. Okay. Now, we will be going to the news in a couple of minutes, so what can we squeeze into well, the next we few? were getting calls. Uh, we've had quite a few calls about fruit flies, yeah. and I thought it was probably timely to do a little bit of an update uh, on managing fruit flies. If you are, I think it was Karen, said she'd used one in a tree and it wasn't enough she was having to get rid of all her fruit because they'd all been affected you really need to start putting your your traps out uh, when the fruit is half size or two-thirds the size of its maturity and before it ripens now I've got a couple of recipes for baits that people can make there is a pheromone trap that's available from nurseries and hardware stores and that attracts the male so if you're knocking off the males, the females can't breed. So that's part of it. The benefit of that is you only need one per backyard. Mm. So very, very simple. The other idea is to, to make up your own and hang them in trees. Anywhere between about two and four hanging in a tree and also hanging in trees that that don't have fruit in them so okay. that you can actually use it as a decoy the thing is if you've got fruit that the fruit fly are coming you to, don't want to attract them to that tree <laughs> well it's no sense, and then isn't it? you know it's like a smorgasbord oh yeah. will i uh, sting the fruit or yeah. will i go and get a drink from here yeah. so a couple of easy recipes um using a water bottle just like your standard water bottle if you yes. have them around or milk container or anything really make your hole or holes halfway up the bottle. Yes. So the fruit fly flies in, and here is a couple of recipes. Half teaspoon of Vegemite, few drops of detergent, and water. And you only need the bottom, say, 30 to 40 mils Mm. in, in that bottle. The reason you put the holes halfway up is that if the fruit flies do get in there and they're not trapped, they will fly to the top of the bottle to escape. Mm. So this is the reason that you don't have your your entry holes up the top. They'll find it through the side. Mm. So the thing about the detergent, it actually creates surface tension mm. on the liquid. So they're attracted to the yeast in the Vegemite. They come in for a drink. They land and whoop, they're trapped suddenly. Mm. Now, you do need to refresh these around about weekly so okay. it, is, it mm. is a bit of a task mm. another recipe a liter of water a teaspoon of borax a teaspoon of sugar and two teaspoons of bran um and yeah change weekly of course the other thing is exclusion nets and we've talked before about managing the size of your tree so that you can get the nets over them yeah. Okay. 9am news. Showers developing today. We are heading for a maximum of 22 right now. It's 15 
1.5 degrees. And the minimum overnight will be 10. Showers will be increasing tomorrow with a maximum of 19. And for Monday, showers will be easing and it will be cloudy with a maximum of 17. So we're getting a few cooler temperatures coming up moving towards winter. Well, we have to turn our sprinklers off fairly soon too, don't we? As in June 1. Oh, I've already turned mine off and just managing Mm. as required. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Because the dew point's been quite strong too. Yeah, yeah. So no, I've been doing that. I've been, and I have this Wi-Fi system where it senses rain and so... It, it adjusts if you know appropriately and accordingly but I certainly will be turning I've, I've had mine on uh, when I've needed to but they'll obviously be being turned off at the end of this month but for example they'll be my one of my watering days is Monday I will be turning that off obviously mm. okay uh, I talk a lot we have Paul Michener online from Green Life Soil Coal we'll talk Co. I actually always often do that. Green Life Soil Co. There you go. And we're growing veggies in an existing vegetable garden. What do we need to know? Paul, thanks for joining us this morning. Hi, Hi Paul. How are you? Very good. good. We got this question this week. If anyone's been listening this morning, they would have already heard it. And it was from Tanya, and she has an existing vegetable garden. She gardens in raised beds. And she was keen to know... Uh, about fertilisers and pH and fungi and microbes and what is the best pH to grow veggies in. So I thought well, we'll, we'll talk to you because you formulate soils for growing veggies. Yeah, I um, I always aim for around uh, 6.3 to 6.5. Um, I know that sounds a bit um, pedantic, but... Uh, If you can get it around that pH, uh, most nutrients will be available and um, you'll just notice that the veggies thrive. If you often um, people come to us and they say, you know, like I put all this fertiliser on, I do this and but things just don't seem to be working that that well. And the first thing we look at is the pH. So and often um, if it gets above 7.5 7.5 or around 8, you just notice things just don't thrive as well. So it's kind of, you know, it's, it's just an indicator of how well things are working in the soil. Right. Now, Tanya was saying that she's got existing garden beds and, and so she can't bring in a, a pre-made mix, but she can sometimes top up. And she, mm-hmm. she said she sometimes uses mushroom compost. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not the biggest fan of mushroom compost, to be honest. Um, it is good in some ways that it does have lots of phosphorus because it has uh, chicken manure in there. Usually has quite a good range of um, like calcium in there as well. But I find just some in the in some uh, mushroom composts the. The processing, it does build up a lot of sodium, so it can be a bit of an issue. I'd get that checked out at some stage with the mushroom compost that you're using, but um, it does have phosphorus and it does have nitrogen and a, and quite a bit of calcium. So you will get people that will get you know a big response with the mushroom compost, but long term, I would I would get it checked and just check that you're not building up sodium levels that 
you know, will also make an issue of the pH. With so. um, mushroom compost then, Paul, what, what ideally would you use mushroom compost for? Um, well, you, you can... You, um, everyone will tout that uh, roses love it, and they do. Um, you, around uh, fruit trees, you know, like your citrus, which are very hungry. But again, it's just the sodium. I just watch that so those sodium levels. I guess yeah, from your I, perspective, being a specialist, would you prefer ordinary compost, aged compost? Yeah, yeah absolutely, always. Yeah, it's um, usually with um, you know a garden compost, which is usually um, green waste and that sort of thing, is usually longer lasting. Um, and is full of microbes, basically. I, I find uh, mushroom compost isn't always. I'm not. I'm not bagging it out. It does have its place, but I don't think it's um, the all-rounder that people yeah. often think it is. Yeah. But um, yeah, general compost is always yeah a brilliant additive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I understand that compost, as it ages, uh, has the the effect of turning the soil more acidic is that right as it, it breaks down it, it, it kind of does it um i i find organic matter tends to buffer towards a neutral ph so um it it does in um as it as it gets really old but usually it's it just moves it towards neutral I, I find, yeah. So it, if it's really alkaline, it will sort of help move it to what, you know, make it more acidic. But yeah, it tends to, I'm sorry, that's a bit contradictory, but it tends to move it towards a, a neutral pH. Yeah. And for people who might be coastal and they have a higher pH or more alkaline soil, how will they? bring that down to to a more suitable pH for growing their vegetables. Okay, this is always uh it's always harder to bring it back down. Um, there's always the one of the traditional ways of doing that is adding sulfur. Although um, sulfur is a very um, kind of noxious element, it it does tend to knock your populations of microbes around mm-hmm. if it gets too high. Um, or if you get too much of it in there. Um, there's always iron sulfates or chelates which tend to acidify, but they, all these methods are, um, you know, are temporary. So organic matter is a good one. We, I tend to use, um, to bring pH down, a particular biochar that I have access to, and that works really well because it just has a very low pH to start with. And biochar is a, a kind of uh, charcoal, a very high carbon content mm. charcoal. Oh, so. it's, it's very interesting, isn't it? Is. it? it so is. how do you recommend people get the most out of a veggie garden? Should they, should they muck around with the soil they've got or should they uh, have dedicated growing beds and perhaps bring in pre-prepared soil? It's, I think if it's definitely if you're on the coast, you're always um, it's always quite hard. It's quite difficult if the pH is up around ten, 
and you you know you're trying to get it below eight it's it's quite difficult so um that in that situation i would uh raise a um put in a raised garden bed and and bring soil in um unless unless they want to really experiment and and try a few things but um it can get very costly if you're you know you don't have the time to put into it so and the science um, yeah and the science i do know a few people that actually live on um, the coast in um in Mandurah where they're having great success growing blueberries of all things oh yeah really right on the coast and um um she generally puts it down to uh worm castings mm. um which is a uh, also another good um, input if you're able to get enough of it, but um, yeah, that's that's in a whole nother story. She she's retired and as she's a soil scientist, so she has lots of time to play around with it. But um, yeah, the, um, I would definitely bring in um, the soil if you're on the coast. Um, if you're further inland in Perth, then, then uh, have a go at uh, you know getting the organic matter in. Make your own compost and, um, yeah, go from there. Thank you, Paul. And next weekend we have your lovely wife, Linda, in joining us for the show. That's right, yes. (laughs) So we look forward to that. Yeah, we're big fans of yours. (laughs) Uh, Thank Thank you you very much. Well, thanks very much for your answer today, Paul. I'm I'm sure that gives Tanya a lot to think about. Okay, no worries. Thanks very Thanks. much. Okay, okay. cheers. You too. Bye. Cheers for that. Bye. Okay, and we do have free lines, 94841927. And you can email us. Our email address is gardening at curtainfm.com.au. And don't forget, we have a podcast each week uh, of the show that we've done and that you can go to curtainfm.com.au. A lot of info, a lot of dots and a lot of comms here. It gets very confusing. But if you go to our website, curtainfm.com.au, click on where it says programs, the drop down bar will say, Let's Talk Gardening. Click on that, and that will take you to all our shows, of which we've been posting now for over a year. We have. So there's lots of information sitting there. Do you know, Ray, I sat down on Thursday to listen back to the podcast from last weekend. I wanted to make sure that I. I'd answered all the questions I said I was going to. I've still got a couple here. (laughs) And I'll tell you what, I just really listening back to everything that we covered in that one show Mm -hmm. is quite, quite phenomenal. Mm. It reminded me back to when I was lecturing at TAFE and I would prepare for a class Mm. because I rarely prepare for a show. That was something I'd uh, been asked recently. Do I do much preparation? I, I actually don't. But I think I'm starting to more as I want to give people the answers that I would deliver in a class. Mm. You know, all the information, not just the answer to their question. It's a bit hard on radio because we sometimes don't have the time or we, we're rushing to a break or something like that. Tell me about and, it. And, um, yeah, we get these questions from people that I have to remember everyone else is out there listening so I have yeah. to power through move, move on absolutely but I think that with the information that is put out each week it's you know in the past it's been a pity to lose it all oh, uh, the absolutely. fact that we have this podcast where you can go back and re-listen there's uh, it's really worthwhile if you get an opportunity well the the industry experts that we get on 
you know, know so much about their given field. And I've always said this about horticulture, you know, everybody has got such diverse experience. And Mm. if you're growing natives, you'll, you'll know the differences between the families and when to strike the cuttings or do they need something special? Do their seeds need scarifying or the addition of smoke water? It's just so technical. And this morning we heard about a Fasca Gale and I've got John researching now because mm. a lot of people wouldn't know that we have other native marsupials when they're, well, I've never heard they're baiting it. something yeah. in their roof. Mm. And, you know, we're just able to, to impart lots of information, more than we know, because mm. our our information or our research extends like the fungi that Ellen talks about, where the the roots of plants are extended by fungi going out and searching and exchanging sugars and exudates. And who would have thought they can change the pH of their soil? Like, <laughs> just that just themselves. blows everything out of the water. It certainly does. <laughs> All right, let's head to Naranda. Hi, Shirley. How's it going? Oh, not bad. Thank you. How are you? We good, are thanks. good. That's good. How are? That's great to hear that you're both good. Now, look, getting back to that question, a few a few phone calls back about rodents and things like that in your roof. Yes. Um, I just want to say that uh, being in Naranda, we have a lot of rats around here, and I have been trying since I've been here for ten years to get rid of them. Mm. Up in my roof. Mm. Now, um, I'm getting to the point now where I think I'll have to get someone in, but my experience is I'd, uh, people have told me what to put in the roof, and I have tried literally everything. But just getting onto the marsupial sides and all this, do you know? Um, I actually rang our shire, I won't say which shire, <laughs> and asked about things, and um, I, I said to them, what if I had a possum in my roof? Because some people used to say to me, you could have a possum, surely. They said, okay, we can come out. We can give you a trap up there. We take the rodent, uh, the, the possum down in the trap downstairs to your yard. We have to let them out. <laughs> I said, what? They said, yes, it's a protected species. We don't take it down the road. We let it out right outside your doors. Mm. Now. And now that that's something that a lot of people don't know. I don't know if a lot of shires are like that, but my one is specifically like that. So um, well, I just thought I'd let yeah let you know that. That's interesting because I did just ask John to to follow up a bit more about Fasca girls so we could let everyone know about their behaviour and and maybe what area they're in. And he yes. said you needed a permit to relocate it. Ah, so you actually need a permit. Now, he would probably know. They didn't tell me at the Shire. But uh, anyway, I just thought that's an interesting thing that maybe a lot of people would like to know about. And he's already answered the question, actually. But I just thought I'd give my two bobs worth. How's that? (laughs) Well, no, that's great. And and what I will do is I will follow this up further during the week if we can't uh, find out all the answers today. We'll we'll Mm. find out about the regulations, the differences. Um, It would be awful if people are inadvertently poisoning our native marsupials because they didn't know these other ones existed. So, yeah, watch this space. (laughs) Thanks, Shirley. Watch this space. Thank you very much. Thanks, Cheers for that. Bye-bye. All right, short break. Back in a moment, chatting with Tanya and Simon. Curtain Radio. 23 minutes after nine. 
And at 10am, you'll be joined by Jim Crinan and the classic 70s. Straight back out to the lines. We're in Safety Bay. We know who we're talking to. Tanya, good morning. Hello. I loved your show this morning and I'm really touched that you went to all that trouble for me. That was, was really special. Thank you. You're welcome. welcome. Well, I knew it was a bit of a rabbit hole and I knew it would, <laughs> you would get a, a different answer depending on who you talk to. Yeah. And so I, I, that's what's wonderful about this show, Tanya. It just leads us down all these different garden paths. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Now, now I, like you said, I got a lot of lot of questions answered, but a few of them hello, come on. <laughs> but I've learned a lot. I really have. I've learned what to do and not what what to do. It was lovely, yeah. Oh, is it, it nature lovely? Oh, amazing what it does. It, yes, yes. Well, that was yeah. what blew me away when Alan said that the plants can change the pH. But I did think maybe the the take home tip for you was not to use mushroom compost in the future, but to go for just a, a plain compost. Yes. And also, too, I've been putting the lime direct to the soil as well. Ah, so, 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 so I might have, because you see that on the gardening shows, they put the lime, they spread the lime out and mm-hmm. they dig it in and all that, and I think, mm, okay. Do you make your own compost? Uh, yes, I do. Okay. okay, that's good. Well, yep, that will... I, so I do, actually. Um. Just another question. You've got this podcast. Mm. Uh, how, do I, how do I get – I'd like to go back into it because then I can – For sure. Okay. Uh, curtainfm.com.au. That's okay. our website. Yeah. And on the home page at the top, you'll see programs. Just click on that. And yeah. there's a drop-down bar and it says Let's Talk Gardening. Click on that and it'll take you to our page. And are you on yeah. Facebook, Tanya? Yes. There's also a Let's Talk Gardening Facebook page. I'm, I'm talking about that. I'm writing this down. Let's Talk Gardening. And, and I can hear this. Yes, you can. There's links there to the podcast. Each week we put up a link. Okay, and I can listen to this. On, I don't have to download it, Apple, or anything like that. Just, you don't have to, no. You can just click on the link. Okay, great. Thank you very much, ladies. Uh, I, I'm really quite touched. Oh, you're oh, welcome. No, Our pleasure. Great. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Cheers. Bye. Take care. Bye. And let's go to Ardros talking about propagating. Simon, hello. Hi there. Uh, good morning, everyone. How, morning. Are you? Uh, uh, how are you? Very good, thanks. <laughs> Look, just a quick question. I've got a fiddler's fig, uh, ficus um, uh, plant. It's fair old size now, and uh, I was going to uh, try and uh, prop, you know, cut it and try and grow some baby, baby ones, some propagate it. Um, and uh, I wanted to know the correct time to do it, do it, and roughly how to go about doing it. Okay, uh, this is a, a pretty easy one to propagate, I would think. I haven't done it myself. Sometimes you you might find the babies pop up around the tree or there might be a shoot coming away from the bottom that you can actually layer. So by taking it along the ground and putting a little nick or break in the stem and pushing it into the soil and holding it down, it will actually develop roots at that point. And the benefit of that is it's still feeding from the main tree 
So you can do that very easily with a lot of plants. Uh, the other thing is if you're hedging plants, that is a great time to take cuttings because you've got a lot of material. Autumn is a good time, although going into winter where it's cold and wet is not ideal for a lot of plants. So late summer... Okay. When the weather is yeah. milder, spring and autumn are, are kind of your your peak seasons for propagating. Okay, I mean, I was thinking, you know, the, when you um, you see people cutting them, they say you cut it above where there's an, um, you know, when they do the the type of propagating where they uh, they cut a branch, they they cut above a nod nodule or whatever, yes. and Yes. And they planted in water or in the soil. Yes. Um, could you tell me what what should I do? How can I do it correctly that way? Okay. I assuming that it's quite a large tree, you can probably take okay. her. It's not. A, it's not. A, it's not quite a tree. It's inside the house. It's in a pot. It's a. It's a. But it is very large. Okay. Uh, so, do you trim it at all? Uh, yes, it's, it, it, I, I, tear, I tear, trim the leaves and things like that. The, okay. The, the, yeah, um, but um, you yeah, know, it just it just grows. Just, okay. So yeah, I'm not I'm not the world's greatest gardener. But no, uh, no, that's okay. Um, what you could do is thin some of the the stems out, and you could grab a bunch of them, half a dozen or so, stick them in a a vase of water and just let them go. There's a good chance that they will take root. Of that, you could also try taking a cutting that's got some hardwood. I'd probably go about 20 centimetres long. I would cut just below a node and I would do a square cut below the node. And square A square cut is just a straight cut. Yes. Yes. Yep. And... Yep. I would probably plant two nodes into the ground and two nodes or thereabouts above the ground and then cut the top off that. So you're not losing a lot of moisture through the leaves. Leave so a little bit of the, leaf. When you say cut the top off, what, what do you mean? Sorry. Cause so, so that you've got about a 20 centimetre cutting. Okay. So when you say cut the top of it, you mean cut the top off the... The plant? Yes. Of your cutting? Of your cutting? Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, I mean, the way I've, I've, I've seen it done, and I've sort of, it's uh, always died, is people have just always just cut um, across from a node, or, you know, cut under a node or cut above a node, and then just stuck it in water or just stuck it in the uh, ground. Um, maybe pulled off a few of the lower, but cut off a few of the lower leaves. Yes, yes. That, Is, so that you've got that a... Sorry, what was that, Simon? Would, would, would that work? Well, yes, I think, I think so. The other thing to have better results, you might dip it into honey or into a hormone powder, that can certainly help. And you dip the part in that you're going to put below the soil, and that helps encourage roots. Okay, but do it, do it to about 20 um, but don't do it too long. 
No, no. About twenty centimeters. Yes. And and cut below the nodule. Yes. Yep. And then I make sure um, I plant it with two with not with two nodules below the soil. Yes. And the other nodules above the soil. Yes. Okay, I think so. so I'm very sorry because I'm new. You know, I'm a new gardener, so uh, that, that's quite all right, sorry, Simon. I must. I sound like a you know a real uh, um, beginner, but um, thank no, you very much. That, that's okay, and this is something it's experimental. It's, it's certainly easier mm. for me if I've got a cutting in front of me because I can't see it. how your plant's growing if it's been inside. The length between the nodes might be actually quite long and elongated, or if it's been growing in sun outside, they might be nice and short. So yeah, these ones are quite far apart. Yes, they're about they're about well, when I say far apart, they're about ten centimeters apart. Yes, yes. So yes, yeah, so the maths won't quite work out. You won't have four nodes in twenty centimeters. No. But you know, so the you- thing is, Simon. Try a few different ideas. Go for a bit of the hardwood if you can and leave a bit of green above the ground. And also try things that are dead set easy to grow. Geraniums, begonias, there's so many things. Lavender and rosemary. And once you have some success, you'll find it addictive. (laughs) Yeah. With the the honey one, do 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 you put that in? Just straight in honey in Dip a jar. Dip it into honey, into but the soil. untreated honey. So your raw and, honey, like straight from and, your and hive. Then put it in the, and then in the soil. Yes. Okay. I got All right. You. Good luck. Thanks, and please Simon. let thank us you. know how thank you get you so on. Thank you so much for that. I okay. Will. Thank you so much. All right. Bye. Bye. Let's go to Leeming saying good day to Vicky. Good morning. Hi, Vicky. Good morning, ladies. Um, I've got a new deck area out the side and it's uh, on the side of the deck is a mountain of um, pencil pines and I'd like to plant a little garden in front of it but what's going to tolerate the pines? Mm. Ooh. Uh, so are you planting into the soil? Yes. Right. Okay. And you... they're quite, uh, they're about 30 foot Okay. We were talking earlier about the Jacob's coat that was going into a similar situation, wasn't it? Mm, it was. Uh, depending on what space you've got between the pines, you could find. Well, first thing I would do if I was you is I would go and try and dig a hole yeah. and see what you're dealing with. Because sometimes I think, oh, I want to plant a plant here, and I dig a hole and I just go to myself, oh, well, I know you're not going to be happy. Mountainous. Um, good soil in on top of everything. So okay. I've got decent soil to plant it into. All right. Oh, and are you wanting a shrub or something low with a yeah, bit of something colour? something like that. Something attractive, you know, to look out on. Okay. I think azaleas could work in that situation. Oh, good. They like an acidic, acidic. soil. So they could probably work well with the pines. Uh, camellias mm-hmm. also. Uh, and right. that could give you a nice... Um, nice sort of screen and, and contrast with the pencil pines. Sasanquas mm-hmm. will take full sun, uh, provide they get adequate moisture and they like acidic soil. Uh, the um, 
a calipher that we talked about earlier, that that comes in a range of different colours. And one plant I saw during the week, which I don't think we give enough credit for, are the caprosmas. Mm. And there's a range of them. I, I saw a beautiful lawned mm. area with these most gorgeous leaf caprosma and it had the limey green with the dark green variegation in it and they look oh, so nice. stunning and healthy. Glossy. So there's a Ooh. lot of lot of shrubs that, you know, depending on what height you, you're after, will give you contrast and they're quite hardy. So if you're putting in good soil on top of what's already there, they they mm. should cope okay. Oh fabulous. Well, thank you very much, ladies. And, um, yeah, I'll give it a go. All right. Happy gardening. Thanks, Nikki. Love to Love see photos days. when it's done. Yeah. All right. Okay, shall do. Okay. Thank right. you. Bye. Bye. I'm a sucker for little rubies and things like oh, that. Oh, yes. Uh, you know, I think for contrast, uh, they're easy. Uh, they like a bit of water, you know, and they... You need to look after them in in well, full in the heat of the mi- day, but they bounce back so a well. A mixed shrubbery, and I mm. I think of them as a fantastic contrast plant in a tropical garden. So you've got the the Duranta, the Sheena's Gold, mm. another hardy one. So depending on what space is there and what height you're after, yes. But you could have a mix, and I think one of the rules is don't just buy one, buy three. So yeah. they're mirrored around the garden. Otherwise, mm. you can end up with what looks like a museum. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's head to Mosman Park. We're talking about a bay leaf tree. Simon, good morning. Hi, Simon. Uh, good, mo- <coughs> good morning, ladies. Um, yes, I have a bay leaf tree in a pot outside of my unit. And um, I trimmed it earlier in the year. And now, and now the the shoe that I trimmed it split into two big shoots, and they over a foot long each. So I was wondering whether I could cut them shorter again. Yes, or, yes, um, you certainly can. Um, bay trees love to be cut back. I probably do my bay tree hedge about three times a year, and I just get the hedge trimmer out and jump right along the top and the sides. Okay, and can I cut the bottom as well? I mean, because the bottom leaves are very green, like dark green, and yes. um, I haven't touched them at all since I got the tree. So if I want to get it a little bit more bushy, I can just trim yes. it back. Yes, for every every one you cut, if you went in with secateurs and you cut one tri- one back to a node, it should branch yes. out to at least two. And then you cut yeah, those yeah. two again and you get four. And that's how you encourage it to bush out. Okay, now the top that I cut at the beginning, I probably cut it a bit too late because it was quite thick, the trunk, and it left uh, like a, a flat a flat bit. Yes. And I guess nothing will grow from there. Well, have a look down. Sometimes they will shoot out from a node further down, so you do a okay. nice sneak cut there to encourage healthy growth and get rid of the daggy bit. Or you may find that the rest grows up around it, and once again, just... Nip the tips out, and you'll yeah. you'll be able to train it to what you want it to be. Okay, great. Now I'm sorry, I have a second question that just came into my mind. I have some lily pillies yes. in the ground, and I bought them like last year. And when I got them, they were fruity, and uh, and since I and since then they never fruited again. And actually, one of them has got some of those uh, scales on the trunk. All right, um, there is scale. Yeah. 
Uh, so my go-to for that would be an eco oil. Yeah, like a white oil. Well, you can use white oil because that will yeah. smother them. But an eco oil can also bring in beneficial uh, predators for okay. your scale. Yeah, yeah. And uh, do you know why he didn't fruit this year or... Or, I mean, is it like it's, the fruit should come every year or it's not... not uh, mm, I've certainly got lily pillies that are in fruit currently and they have okay. been for a few weeks now. Uh, I would be... Well, the ones I've got get very little care, but ideally uh, a controlled fertiliser for flowering and fruiting plants. They yep. like full sun or need at least yep. six hours to, to help fruiting. Yeah. Uh, and it may be that the scales bothered them and they're just, yeah, they're just happy. Or they may have got too much, say, nitrogen fertiliser, in which case they're putting their energy into leaves rather than fruits. So a complete okay. fertiliser and use that on your bay tree as well. Okay, yeah, I will do. I'll have some uh, worm casting and compost that I use. Okay, Perfect. fantastic. Thanks for your call, Simon. No worries. I'm very. I'm a big follower of the show. I'm originally from Italy, and we don't have shows like this in Italy. So I'm oh, very wow. happy that I can get some of uh, some infos here from you guys. And I follow you every morning. Oh, thank Good you, Simon. Simon. Love to hear it. My my husband's of Italian descent. He turns okay. me off because it's the only opportunity he gets. <laughs> thank Arrivederci. you. Arrivederci. Thanks, Simon. Bye for now. He, he turns you off. You mean on radio? Yeah. Yeah, so he doesn't have to listen to you. Yep. Yep, okay. Got it. <laughs> okay, nine four eight four one nine two seven. Short break. When we return, we are chatting with Linda. Curtain Radio. You're tuned to Let's Talk Gardening. Straight back out to the lines. We're in Gosnells. Linda, good morning. Good morning. <clears throat> good morning, Linda. I'm very happy to hear from you. <clears throat> Yeah, I just wondered if you'd found out anything about raspberries. But another thing is um, a bantam rooster flew in um, to the unit next door and then down into my goose yard. So obviously he's enjoying the feed, but he roosts right next to, on the fence line between our bedrooms, you know, between the unit and our place and our bedrooms. At, and crows at two o'clock in the morning. It took, I wondered if anyone, any of the listeners might like it because it doesn't look like it's... Um, going back home, <clears throat> mm. and it's Roosters. driving us nuts. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, so if anyone's oh. lost a rooster and wants him back, he's living with Linda at Gosnells, <laughs> and she'd be happy for you to take him back. But roosters... Or if anybody else wants one. Yes. Well, I, I've seen lots of posts for roosters, Linda, and nobody nobody wants roosters. They just Bantam. don't because they can't Bantam. have them in suburbia. Because of well, that's right, growing. but I thought it, it goes further out than just, you know, suburbia, and I just wondered if anybody would like a bantam. He's a good-looking bantam rooster. Mm. All right. Well, if anyone does, they can mind. call in and we can put you in contact. Yes, I've done homework on your raspberries, and oh. I was, I reckon I was on the mark with what I said last week. Do yeah. you know what variety of raspberry you've got? Oh, no, and it's down in the goose yard. Okay, all right. Has it had any fruit on it at all? No, no. It's only about, I don't know, um, a couple of feet tall at the most. Okay. And it's just got a, 
a little hoop with two two pieces going on one one on either side of the hoop. So it's not very big. No. Okay. So things about raspberries. There are two types. One will fruit on second year canes, which was pretty much the ones that I was referring to. So mm-hmm. the what you've got there now will fruit kind of next season maybe or thereabouts. And when when might that be? Well it depends if it's if it is that one, it could be summer. Mm. Or it's the other one that fruits twice a year. Now they are all mm-hmm. dormant in winter. The best time to plant is in spring in full sun. So it needs at least six hours. The less sun, the less fruit. Now, summer fruiting plants can take two years for each cane to produce fruit. They will die Mm. back in winter, so you have to be careful that you don't remove the ones that haven't fruited. Once the canes die, as in die after they've fruited, you cut back to ground level. But what I was saying to you Mm. last week was they... You plant them in the ground, and mm. and I'm assuming it's one that will have two metre canes and grow on second year wood, okay? So mm. if that's mm. the case, mm. I would train all the growth this year, say, to the left, and all mm. the next growth to the right. That way you oh. can separate the canes because you're cutting back every mm. year the canes that have fruited and it can get quite messy. They will sucker and they will take up quite a space. So you can also divide them that way by, by digging up the, the suckers. Okay. Um, what about if I, you know, we're just in a big pot, would that be better? I, I, I would be thinking a pot the size of a bathtub. Oh, okay. <laughs> Because you want to give them room to grow and and spread. Okay. Well, I mean, I do have a lot of room down there that I could put it in. Just I'd have to fence it off to stop the geese from chewing on the leaves. Yeah. Yeah. Now, if if they're not the ones that um, produce on the second year canes, that's okay because you will find out sooner than that. Yeah. Yeah. And and are there ones that need a lower chill or, or there are there are and and of course they do bring them in from over east and they don't care what they sell do they yes so. this is true which is you know i don't know how many times my recommendations are to know what you're buying when you buy a fruiting plant mm. so that you know well, what you're getting and you've got the right one now if you when you're planting it they do like an acidic soil so the addition mm-hmm. of manure in the soil and then no a, <laughs> a, a mulch of um, like pea straw or lupin mulch on the top. Okay. And that's, okay, that's yeah, it was, it. it was given to me, so I don't know. I'd have to look at the label to see what it is. All right. Um, yep. Have you got one that you recommend for here that I might just check to see what well, it is? Well, a couple of sources have said one called Heritage is good for Western Australia because it has a low chill, so it doesn't need okay. a lot of chill. Okay. Okay, and that's the main one that you recommend? Well, only from my research. Okay, all right. 
So I'll just have to deal with what I've got. It's a bit like blueberries, isn't it? Oh, yes. Where you <laughs> There's a lot of research like being done on them. Mm. Mm. And Linda, uh, one of our listeners rang in, Elaine, and she said to ring the local ranger with regard to your rooster. That is also probably another option for you. Except they'd probably just put it down. This and I didn't the, that's, that's, want to do that. That's exactly right. And so, well, yeah. I, I, a lot of... I did actually ring the, the council yeah. um, about it, and they said they'd, they had to hire a trap. But I was just mm. concerned that they might just put it down. Most likely. Yeah, and that's that's what we don't want. But he, you need, he, needs, really. he needs rehoming somewhere. Yeah. Not yeah. easy, is it? They're a dime a dozen, I'm afraid. This is, yeah, mm. it's horrible. Even bantams? Yes, I think so. I think, mm. well... No, I can't say what I'm thinking. Sorry. Uh, and of course, I know I, too he, much. He, yeah, okay. Yeah, he just flew in. Yeah. And, um, you know, he just flies out over the top of my Super 6 fence back to the Amaru and then back mm. to me in the morning for breakfast. And <laughs> Yeah, he's just... So, um, yeah, it would be nice if we got a home for him. Yes. Okay, right. good luck. Thanks, Linda. Linda. Thank you. Thank you very much for your help. You're welcome. Okay. And we're going to Leeming. We're talking about the Fasca Gale. Elaine, thanks for waiting. Hi, Elaine. Hi. Oh, how are you going? I love your gardening show. Uh, I haven't actually got a question. just got what might be some helpful advice for some people. Okay. Uh, first of all, the Fasca Gales, I can't pronounce that word. It's a native animal. And I've been with WWF for about four decades, and I think it was one of the other organisations I'm with that said they've got a problem... Um, with people smuggling them out, like they do with the shinglebacks oh. there, oh, really? and um, yeah, so um, obviously, and also any native animal, I think pretty much all. Because I used to do a little bit of volunteering work with native arc after a week a while back. Um, if you're going to keep a native animal of any description, I don't know about kangaroos, but you've got to have a registration, I think, um, and a bit of experience and stuff. So that's with that one, but. The lady who rang up about the rats, um, about six years ago, I had Renticule come in to do the stuff around the house. And I said, might have been longer than that. And I said, oh, I've got a problem with rats. So I just help themselves to their figs, to my fig tree, which I'm getting cut down this week because it's too tall and whatnot. And he put some baits up in the ceiling and they evidently last for two years. And I think when you looked up in the ceiling, you said, well, you've had rats out. Rats there, I think at that stage of the game, I was, I was, sick as a fig tree was good for years but I wasn't bothering to pick or water it and he, evidently the jolly rats had gone and taken all the snail shells that was a stack of empty snail shells but anyway he put the baits up in the ceiling and last for two years cost $98 and that took care of the rats as far as the ones up in the ceiling goes because I used to hear them making a nest in my um, mm. wall um, yeah. thing. so Rent-A-Kill can solve that problem as I far see. as the indoor rats go mm. Yeah. And with the possums, years ago, I heard and never had the experience because I wasn't leaving. We're a newer suburb. Well, we were a newer suburb. Um, I heard that if you've got possums in your roof in one of the older suburbs, um, certainly not do what the council do, take them and let them go somewhere else or just let them do whatever. They said, well, first of all, get your beams, your eaves blocked so they can't get back up again. Yeah. But what they said is um, possums... Once they decide your home is their home, not yep. necessarily in the house, put a nesting box in a tree in your yard. So, mm. okay, the possum says, I can't go in the roof. I'll go there. I like that idea. Mm. I don't know whether that worked or not. Again, you might want to ring and confirm it. But um, nice we, We'll follow up on, 
on this yeah, it's discussion. Yeah, just three helpful things that may yeah. or may not be. Because, yeah. Well, as far as the FASCO goes, go, I'd never heard of them because I forgot I haven't heard of those. Yeah. I think it was I4 or Peter maybe that might have brought up the subject and said, oh, you, you know. So, Elaine, we have to go to a break, heard. love. We have to go yeah, to a I'll break. I'll let you go. That's all. I just thought it may or may not help some of the people. Yeah, no, thank uh, you, who, Elaine. Rung in. No worries. Cheers yeah, for that. Show. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> Bye. 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 Yeah. Okay. Curtain Radio. You are listening to Let's Talk Gardening and today's gardening program is sponsored by Safety Bay Settlement, settling and transferring properties across WA since 1977. Now we had a question about what would be the best potato for cooking in their jackets? Well, that's a very, uh, what's the word? It gets down to personal taste, doesn't it? What's your idea, Jim? Purple, right? The purple. I like Kiplers myself. Well, I do like the purple with the golden flesh inside, but the Ruby mm. Lou's are good too. The best potato is the one you've grown yourself, though. Yeah, best tasting. Mm. Okay, now this is going to be very sharp and sharp. We have our $75 voucher to give away from the beautiful Bigger Trees up in Pickering Brook. Thanks to Kerry. And you must be a Curtin FM member not to have won a prize in the last 28 days. Okay, it's a $75 voucher. And our question is, an extract from which plant is used to produce tequila? An extract from which plant is used to produce tequila? Give Bev a call on 94841927. You clearly want to say something, Faye. Quick, Ray, check your sheet. There is an open garden this weekend. Your sheet is under the blue file. Okay, I'm just, we're, we're drowning in paper in here. Jean Evans Camellia Garden is open this weekend. Okay, from 10 to 4 today and 10 to 3 tomorrow at 24 Orana Way in Rolling Stone. Now, that's the Camellia Garden in Rolling Stone, 24 Orana Way, 10 to 4 today and 10 to 3 tomorrow, $5 entry. There are over 300 camellias, mature plants, and if if you want to put camellias in your garden, that will be a great place to go and have Get a some look inspiration, at them right? in situ. Yes. Apologies to everyone oh, who, goodness, who yes. sent emails today. We just, once again, we have go, just run up, out of time. We go off on tangents, don't we? Well, the Fasca Gales just yeah. caused quite a run of, uh, <laughs> you know, discussion. Calls, so yeah. what I would like to do another week is, is tackle that talk about... Um, possums, native animals and what's around because, you know, who who would have thought a little critter like that could be nesting in someone's roof? When you hear noise in the roof, you automatically Assume think the it's worst. A rat. But yeah. we have antichinus as well, which are little brush-footed possums. And John had a little marsupial in his garden that was not a, a mouse or rat. So we do have them. We need to respect them and stop killing everything randomly without knowing what it is what it is we're killing now we do have a winner to our little competition Uh, no surprises there it was very quick and the question was an extract from which plant is used to produce tequila and the short answer is agave so also known as blue agave and agave tequilana and uh, i think anything with related to the agave there we will accept as our answer today so that's a 75 dollar voucher coming your way compliments of kerry at 
the fabulous bigger trees in Pickering Brook. And I think she's got a lot of bare-rooted tree stock coming in as of now, or very close to now. Uh, worth checking out if that's your thing. Oh, well, it sounds lovely. And now's the time to do it for sure. Now, Ray, I'm going to be late in next week. Uh-huh. I've arranged a replacement. Linda Minchin, I will kick off the show with you. I'm going out dancing the night before and nobody trusted me to come in and, and be on time and Okay, Ready I'll, to I'll go. hold the fault for you, Faye. <laughs> Thank well, you're you. you're having a good time. No, don't you worry about well, a thing. Well, someone has to support the local <laughs> bands. <laughs> All right, look, thanking the team. Great morning. Uh, we have fun, as always, thanking our listeners for your uh, fabulous support. We, we love it. And my gardenism thought today is, notice that autumn is more the season of the soul than of nature. have to think about that one, don't you? And mm. it is. Mm-hmm. Deep and meaningful. I know, I know. There's a little bit of that about me. All right, just joking. Jim Crinan is next with the classic 70s. Look after yourselves, everyone, and happy gardening. We hope you've enjoyed listening to another edition of Let's Talk Gardening on Curtain Radio. Happy gardening.